I failed, dab a dee dab a fail, dab a dee dab a fail, dab a dee dab a fail. God, these are getting more and more just uninspired, and the singing is getting more and more worse. Ah, oh, why am I doing this? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of You Have Failed With Me, Sam Vader, where we are obviously back again. Uh, this week, we'll be discussing a topic that I'm hoping will actually become popular again hopefully next year it's looking at at this point uh but to most people when i say the word chaotic that doesn't mean anything to you and in fact of all my friends i now have you know all, all, all three of them only one of them actually when i mentioned it knew what that what it was and had heard of it and they was just as shocked that they finally met another person who doesn't think it's just made up and we're, we're talking crap about something in our childhood that wasn't actually real but before we get into uh what chaotic is and the fact that i'm not insane for imagining this thing it was real in my childhood uh we are of course going to mention of course that we at Sigil Arts do stand with black lives matter it's a very uh, big and important campaign that still needs uh the attention because we still need to fight and um win essentially so because black people are still being incredibly oppressed across the world uh namely in the west in certain countries but yeah we it it's a serious issue that has for some reason just been pushed under the rug and i get that 2020 has been a bit of a shit year for everyone you know nothing's gone right pandemics this that and the other you know but at the same time, this is still not something that we can ignore. And if you do want to still support it, you can go to places such as www.blacklivesmatter.com where you can continue to support, find ways to either support monetarily or non-monetarily and you know, help in any way you can find resources to help educate yourself or just keep the conversation going on social media by using the hashtags BLM or hashtags Black Lives Matter to make sure the conversation keeps going. Also, this month has been and is still for the next few days Black History Month, uh, something that uh, slipped our minds with everything. I mean, to be fair, it's my dad's birthday uh, on the day that this goes up. So tomorrow I'm recording this a day before. Uh, and I didn't even know because I had no idea what the date was, what month it is, what day of the week it is most of the time. Dates are really slipping my mind at the moment. So, yeah, I, I didn't even realise it was my own dad's birthday tomorrow. I know when his birthday is. I just didn't realise what day it was. So, yeah, it's dates slip our minds. And so we, we it sort of slipped our mind. But, you know, fortunately, because we pump out the uh, Black Lives Matters messages every week, uh, we are still obviously very supportive of it. And I still read up a lot on it weekly anyway. Uh, but if you don't and you are interested... um. I just, for a test, went onto Google and typed in sort of good websites to educate yourself on Black History Month, and loads of suggestions come up. The one that came up the most was blackhistory.com, and this is an all-inclusive site that will cover the breadth of black history uh, in the West and a lot of it in America. But there are so many other sites you can visit to educate yourself on their history and celebrate at the end of this month, and also just celebrate through the rest of the year their culture and uh, not forget that it exists, because, you know, one month to celebrate it, yes, but the rest of the year to acknowledge it exists and that they have a very rich and vibrant history that matches our own. But with that out of the way, we shall uh, get on with talking about Chaotic. Yes, a card game that at its peak when it came out was credited with being the new rival for the uh, the card game throne up there with uh, Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, and the king of card games itself, Yu-Gi-Oh! This was a serious competitor for taking its throne as the new TCG, mad hype, best card game out there. And a few years down the line, 
no one knows what it is anymore. Now, there is a reason for this. And the reason for this is uh, the same people that I complained about a few weeks ago in my uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! has been censored to crap um, episode. And, of course, it's for kids' entertainment. Woo! You know, the absolute fuck nuts that just screw everything over. They're the reason this card game went into obscurity. So, basically, the story behind it, it started out, I think, as a Scandinavian sort of game. I think it was like Dragons and Ghouls or something like that. Ghouls and Gorks. Something like that. Um, and then it was quite a popular TCG in Scandinavia, so they wanted to bring it over to the West. So they met with a guy called uh, Brian C. Gannon, I think his name was. He sort of was approached bringing it over to Western markets. So he then turned it into Chaotic Now or Never from uh, Grooks and Gorks or whatever the original was called. He was then obviously approached by 4Kids Media, where he's turned it into a TV show and really expand and distribute the card game. That is where we got the Chaotic that uh, we in the West, if you actually remember that it existed, grew up on. And that became, you know, the story of Perim and its four tribes and the secret fifth tribe and the Marillions and their sort of fight, well, against each other because none of them liked each other. Um, and, yeah, so it became really popular. The show was really popular. The show was amazing, by the way. In fact, I'm going to say this uh, now. Right. In terms of just the actual card game lore itself, excluding the show and everything, Chaotic has the best lore out of any card game ever. Sorry, Yu-Gi-Oh! But what makes your lore so great is the TV show. Like, Blue Eyes White Dragon has no backstory if you haven't watched the anime. Whereas if you play Chaotic, Kaor and Maxor are still their own characters, and you can see that Kaor's clearly a guy dedicated to ruling the un like Perim from the underworld and Maxwell's a guy dedicated to controlling Perim from the overworld. In fact the cards themselves actually tell a story. As more expansion packs came out, the cards would change. So when the Meridian invasion happened, cards get printed. So newer versions of cards, you'd have Lord Van Blute, the original one, but then the new one was the Lord Van Blute servant to Arnie, who was the leader of the Meridians, a secret fifth tribe. And he had new abilities based on what had happened to him and the experiences between where he was originally and where he is now. So the lore was really fit into the cards and creatures. And then when the show came out as well, like that just increased the lore of Perrin so much more and all of these characters that they became so fleshed out that, yeah, the best lore of any card game ever. Anyway, that's sort of digressing from the uh, point I was making about four kids being absolute twats. So, yeah, four kids... <laughs> Uh, got to the point where the game was coming so popular, so was the TV show. They're like, you know what, Brian? We want full control of your card game. And Brian was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, like, I I want some of the rights as well. You know, like, I'm helping distribute this. I'm designing and stuff. And they got into a lawsuit. The lawsuit lasted three years. But the problem with that is during the lawsuit, not a single product of Chaotic was allowed to be sold. So literally everything had to be pulled from the shelves. Employees weren't allowed to design new cards and shops weren't allowed to sell any of the cards. And this led to, obviously, a decline in popularity because there was nothing on the shelves anymore for about three years. So it sort of just faded into obscurity. And therefore, the hype surrounding this major card game that was apparently like the new thing and was about to overtake all of them because it had the most unique mechanics and was the first one to actually implement an actual online battle system into the actual card game, right? So we wouldn't have things like Hearthstone or Yu-Gi-Oh! Pro or... I know Magic's got his online thing now. If it wasn't for Chaotic... Um, this will die down because of four kids' lawsuit, which eventually they lost, which is actually the lawsuit that cost them, caused them to have to go bankrupt and then relaunch as a like 4K licensing or something. 
And Brian Gallen sort of obviously retreated after that as well. But last year, 2019, he revealed that he is planning to bring the card game back. He was meant to do it this year, but obviously certain world events have probably stopped that. So we're looking at maybe 2021, 2022. Chaotic is coming back, hopefully, and that is why I'm so hyped to talk about it. And that is why I am uh, getting all my old cards brought down to me. I bought some new ones, and I'm going to get back into playing the game properly. Now I know that it's going to be getting more support, so you know you can keep rolling with it as a card game so yeah that's sort of why probably none of you know what it is um despite the fact that it was a major thing at the time it fades into obscurity and the show is fantastic as well and so is the card game i mentioned moments ago that it was the first one to implement a uh, unique um online battle simulator and that's because on each card there was a unique code printed at the bottom which meant that every single chaotic card printed is 100% unique. You could have, for example, two chaos in front of you, and they will not be exactly the same. Because not only are there sort of stats that are randomised, you've got the courage, power, wisdom, and speed, and then their energy values, which are sort of randomised from card to card anyway. But even if they somehow matched on a blue moon, the unique code at the bottom is unique to every single individual card. Which means when you were to go onto the online simulator, which isn't around anymore because obviously the game went bankrupt, you would type in that unique card and you would get the online copy of that card with the exact same stats as the one you physically owned. Which made it so different from the time because there was nothing like that back then. As I say, we wouldn't have Hearthstone or Yu-Gi-Oh! Pro if it wasn't for this big bound that Chaotic took to ensure that you could play online even if you couldn't actually meet up with your friends. Which would have been great in a pandemic, by the way, just saying. So it's a shame it went bankrupt all those years ago and he didn't have a chance to get it started again before everything came out and in the pandemic but yeah it was a very unique game and I don't know if any of you have played Star Wars Destinies as well you sort of I describe it as very much a mix of Star Wars Destinies another game that's sort of ended now but I think that's ended ended rather than just gone temporarily everyone thought chaotic had gone forever as well but anyway so it's very much a mix of Star Wars Destinies and Yu-Gi-Oh, I'd say, and like the lore and the monsters and the side of that, but the way you set it up with like creatures already set up and battle gear. But even then, it's very different, because the way you play is you set up armies of either 1 versus 1, which isn't really an army, uh, 3 versus 3, 6 versus 6, 10 versus 10, and it keeps going up. You just keep adding to your triangle, basically. But the most common formats are 3 versus 3, or 6 versus 6, and your aim is to completely destroy the enemy's armies by taking it in turns. But what is different to most other card games, like look at Yu-Gi-Oh, for example. I love the game, but it's not a very back-and-forth type game. It's a game where the person who goes first builds an unbreakable board, and then you've got to struggle to try and break it before he kills you, right? That's what Yu-Gi-Oh is. Chaotic, you first pick the location. Uh, whoever the active player is will turn over the first card of the location deck. You'll do that, then he'll say, I don't know, K or attacks Maxor. You'll then engage in battle, you'll decide which uh, creature attacks first, based on the location card will say initiative, wisdom, and it's whichever card has the highest wisdom, then attacks first. And then you draw from an attack deck, and then you each take turns to play an attack, and that will then deplete from that creature's energy until one of the creatures reaches zero, and that is the most basic way to explain it really and after a battle if you're the creature that survived your energy goes back up to full so say you've had a really hard battle you're left with five energy you don't stay on five energy that ko then gets replenished to 70 for the next battle so your ko started to 70 energy which is what my ko has um so it's quite simple and then obviously battle gear you equip to each month 
creature as well, sorry, a monster, and that will help in certain ways. If you were to play the Vile Driver on Kaor, that means every time he does a fire attack, it gets an extra five damage, or a Valaric Shard does something similar for earth attacks. But then you've got Mugic as well, and this is getting into the more complicated rules now. Uh, so you've got to have one battle gear for each monster and one and the same amount of music as each creature as well. But you don't need to mit like each creature doesn't need to use that music. And that's basically sounds for musical magic, which is another great thing of the lore. It's not just magic, it's because in the show, each music when it's cast plays a different tune. And literally all composed differently. And that's what it was, it was musical magic, and you'd use a musician which was a spiritual thing that you could hold within you to cast it. And certain creatures have more magicians than others. Like the K.R. I've got definitely has three. I know, I think, for example, um, I can't think of any that has zero. K.R. the Fierce, which is an evolved form of K.R., has zero magicians. He sort of gave up his magicians to get more power, essentially. So you can play abilities and magicians whenever you really want, but the attack is one at a time, so it's a very back and forth, and you feel like you're having an actual battle, and then the winner gets to move their creatures forward into that defeated enemy space, and it's literally like an advancing army. So it's a very fluid game, and very back and forth, and very balanced. Um, and I say, the battle gear and the magic can sometimes make all the difference, but setting up your army right does as well, and you've got the four tribes of Perim 5, Sorry, keep forgetting the Marillions. You've got the five tribes of Perrin to pick from. So, as I mentioned, you've got the Overworlders, who are the high, mighty, noble assholes who think they're better than everyone else, but really aren't. A bit sucky. I'll get into that in a minute in the lore. Then you've got the Underworlders, who are the best, um, ruled by Kaor himself. Absolute lad. Um, who are slightly more underhanded and more willing to win, but aren't evil. That's something I need to stress. The Underworlders are not evil, right? That's one thing I love about Chaotic, is that none of the tribes are inherently evil. They all want what's best for their own tribes. And whilst that is, yes, to control Perrin for them, like, Kaor, as ruler of the Underworld, isn't evil. Yes, he's ruthless and he's cunning, but he does everything he does to protect his people and to protect the Underworld. He doesn't do it to be evil. He does it to protect his people. His duty is to his people. Um... And also the Underworlders hate the Overworlders because the Overworlders pretend like they're better than them because they live above them, essentially, in the Overworld. And the Overworld are actually pretentious knobheads. Anyway, I'm digressing from the tribe. Then you've got the Mopedians, which are the more reptile-like creatures who live in the deserts of the Overworld but aren't part of the Overworld tribe. And you have the Danians, which are like bug-like, mainly ant-like creatures who uh, live in hives in the Underworld. And then you've got the Marillions, who live behind the doors of the Deep Mines, which are ancient creatures who are aren't very nice. They are evil. They are actually evil. Um, but the other four, none of them are inherently evil. So I don't like, being a fan of the Underworld, I don't like the Overworld as much. Maxor's a bit of a knob. He, he, you know, he thinks he's better than everyone else. Like, oh yeah, I'm Maxor, hero of the Overworld. <laughs> like, shut up, Chaos better than you. Um, like, Chaos cares about his people and doesn't think he's above them. He's just doing everything he can to further their goals. Okay, he built himself a statue once, but that's after he helped defeat Arnie, the leader of the Meridians. Like, come on. He deserved it. And, yeah, I mean, right, one way, I think, is definitely to show that the Overworlders are not the good guys, by the way. So there was one episode, I remember, and don't get me wrong, it was in one of the characters' dreams, but I still think it's enough evidence to prove that one's high and mighty and the other isn't. So the creatures of Perim invade Earth, 
and the overworld underworlders are obviously being blunt they're like no we want earth as sort of a staging ground for our underworld troops like we're going to conquer this place and so chaos going to you know expand the underworld in, onto earth which you know isn't great but at least he's being upfront about it then Maxor turns up pretending to be the hero, trying to stop Kaor and everything. And then when everyone's like, oh, you're the hero, Maxor. And he's like, no, I'm just trying to take Earth so we can have it for the overworld. I don't know what you're on about. And it's like, well, so clearly, like, Maxor's no better than Kaor. Like, they're both just... They both want to rule Perrin. But for the sake of their own tribe, except Kaor's less of an arsehole. Like, doesn't think he's a high... Like, as well, like... <laughs> Kaor asks for help from his advisors. He's got Agitos and Takinama, normally his two best advisors, hearing as well. And he will confer with them before making a choice. Maxwell's like, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. Because, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, yeah, Overworlders suck. Underworlders, great. But, yeah, I mean, you can play any of the tribes. And you can have mixed tribe decks. Certain cards, like Kaor and Maxwell, are considered loyal. Which means they will only fight with an army composed entirely of their tribe. So Kaor will only fight with other, with other Underworlders and Maxor will only fight with other Overworlders. Other creatures aren't necessarily loyal, like from both, from any tribes. So you can do mixed tribe decks, but most tribes tend to work better when they're fighting together. So for that reason, you tend to build a deck of a mono tribe. Uh, Meridians work a bit differently because they tend to rely on their brainwash abilities. But that's something else that comes into it. Another point... Um, Mopedian strategies tend to rely on one of two things. I think Mopedians, to be fair, are probably the most broken because you either use a war beast strategy, which in the nicest way possible is just war beasts are powerhouses that just really are, or uh, you rely on an invisibility strategy, which a lot of the time will give you initiative regardless of your uh, stats and will give you like an extra. It ranges from like 5 to 15 damage on your first attack, like extra. So it's quite a broken strategy, Mopedians, but there are ways to get around it if you have a Spectral Viewer, which I don't think I have. I don't have my cards back from home yet. Uh, they're being brought to me on Wednesday. Hopefully I've got a Spectral Viewer in there. Otherwise, Mopedians are going to be a problem for my Underworld deck. Um, and there are certain Mugics as well, but I don't think I have that either. So I might just have to take the damage and hope I can deal out more. Uh, Danians, on the other hand, are... Um, a bit different because they're they're more tactical you've got to rely on activating something called hive which normally normally involves sacrificing your weaker mandiblors to then boost your higher elite danian warriors and squad leaders later on down the line which is different from how you'd set up a normal deck normal decks you have your sort of weaker ones at the back so maybe your mugic casters uh, who normally have lower energy but more mugic counters or ones that have abilities that boost your uh, team so i know for example i don't have the card yet it's being delivered to me soon hopefully uh, i bought agitos uh something commander or the powerful speaker i can't think of the exact version of agitos it was but he's got an ability that basically gives all of your underworlders an advantage in battle um oh i just remember his name it's agitos eloquent motivator that's it yes and i'm pretty sure his advantage he gives is at the beginning of your turn so when it's your turn only unfortunately any underworld creature you control gains the abilities Intimidate, Courage 20, and Intimidate, Power 20, which means whenever it goes into battle, uh, it, the opposing creature will lose 20 Courage and 20 Power. He also has another ability, I believe, that if he gives up his two Mugic counters, which he does have, um, you can target 
a creature on the enemy team, which means if it can move into the space of one of your current creatures, it has to. So you can sort of force your opponent to attack your monster when they don't want to. So Agitos will, when I get it, he'll be sort of my final back rower as a way to sort of boost my overworlders when they go into battle and maybe force my enemy in overworlders, underworlders, and then maybe force my enemy into a fight they didn't want to get into at the time, which would be really cool. But even if you don't want to force them, he's still got two music counters, so he can be quite useful for casting the occasional music, like my personal favorite, the Cannon of Casualty. But yeah, so for example, so yeah, in an underworld deck like that, for example, you have your powerful heavy hitters at the front row, uh, maybe more medium mixed in this sort of second row, and then a sort of a tactical one like Agitos in the back row. Whereas Danians, on the other hand, you'd play your weaker Mandib Laws in the front row and have your more powerful ones in the back row because you want to sacrifice the Mandib Laws for the most part to then boost the ones later when you activate abilities such as Hive. Uh, normally for a cost of either a music counter or there are other ways to activate Hive depending on abilities and stuff. Um, but we'll take a break there to mention the sponsor for the week, which like last week, uh, we are going to be uh, advertising the commissions part of King's Eyes Life, which of course is headlined by Schmerp. He does brilliant jobs on all commissions. He's a brilliant brilliant graphic designer the work he's done on the sigil rebrand is absolutely fantastic did an absolutely brilliant job and he's a really nice guy to work with so please do go check him out and uh if you've got any graphic design commission he needs go uh go hit him up and he will provide you the best quality that you can probably get out there um but i'll still also plug king styles apparel as well where you can obviously buy merch to support your favorite creators from the likes of the failure wear collection uh, the Creators of King's Eyes Collection, the Statement Collection, Clansman Unite Collection, partly designed by Schmurp himself. And there is now, I believe, just a Sigil Collection itself, sort of showing off the brand that was, and the rebrand that was designed by Schmurp. So please do go check that out. Why I'm in the middle of plugging, why not follow me on Twitter? You've got my personal account, which is at VaderSayan, where I too tend to post about things like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Chaotic quite frequently. Um, and also the pinned tweet on there is to my Discord server, where I'm starting to move it into a more TCG gaming based server as well. So we can discuss games like this, maybe play games uh, if we get an online simulator for Chaotic again and discuss like stuff like that. So if you'd want to join, that'd be great. Sorry, excuse me. But you can also join the uh, Twitter page for the show itself, which is at you have failed SV, which will be a great way to find out when new episodes are out and what's going on with the show. If there's not going to be an episode and probably why, you'll get the update on there first. And I'll probably put it out on the Discord server as well, if I remember to do so. Also, speaking of Chaotic, on my YouTube channel, which is just such that can't speak, say Invader, I've recently done an opening of an Underworld tin for Chaotic. Uh, so you do go check that out. And if you don't know what the card game is, you can see what some of the cards look like and it might make a bit more sense. And if you do like the game, you can just go and see what I pulled. I've got some pretty amazing stuff in the tin that will make some uh, great use in my decks when I get to building them, when I have all my cards back with me again. But without further ado, I suppose we should get back into uh, talking about Chaotic. Yeah, so I've sort of explained the mechanics now. Obviously, it's really hard to explain with no visual format. But in fact, on because I've done Chaotic this week, hopefully I'll have a you have failed some more this week with a special little mini-series, if you have found some more, I guess, so a, a mini-series within a bonus series, where I'll be teaching someone how to play a game that I've spoken about, 
and then they'll be discussing with me in the episode about how they felt about learning it, what they thought of the game, this, that, and the other. There might be a video to go up with it as well, um, showing the actual playing of the game, the teaching, and yet decide on that. But yeah, I mean, I think I'll be doing that with King's Eyes this week and teaching in Chaotic, hopefully. This week or next week, that should be coming out, and that would be great. So that might help explain how to play the game a bit more, um, hopefully. But yeah, so I've tried my best in a just an audio format to explain how to play without showing it. I mean, I, you know, I could get my cards out here right now, but that's not going to help you. That'll just be me just fangirling over my KO card like the child I am. Because, right, so <laughs> I did post this on Twitter when I got it. So as a kid, I was obsessed with KO. Um, being the Underworld fan that I am, absolutely love lovely underworld creatures i thought they were the cooler ones uh just fire and rawr, they looked meaner and rawr, yeah underworld but they weren't actually bad guys i was like that's pretty cool and ko was just the coolest thing in the world like a dragon-like face with a long snout but bull horns and spikes everywhere big muscular powerful fire attacks oh honestly ko was the man and I tried so, so hard as a kid. Every pack I bought, I was like, is this going to be it? Am I going to get a KO? No, 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 no. I never got a KO as a kid. It was quite depressing. And obviously as a kid, you didn't realise you could buy individual cards on eBay. Well, I didn't. I was an idiot. Um, and obviously, but one of the perks of being an adult is you can buy the things you never got as a kid. Which means for me, on finding that Chaotic was coming back, and I was like, well, I want to get back into it. I was like, well, I finally want that KO card. I know me. I'm going to play an Underworld deck. I want the ruler of the Underworld in my deck. So, yeah, I went on eBay, and I bought a KO card, and I do now own uh, a copy of KO. Quite a good one. His stats are quite high. He's got um, average energy, about 70, but that's better than the lower end of it. I mean, you can get 75, but it's not that big a deal. His stats are quite good. He's got quite good courage, power, wisdom, and speed, so that's quite good. So yeah, I was quite happy with that. I wouldn't have minded if he had shit stats. It's still a KO. I'm over the moon. And will really boost my underworld deck when I have all my old cards here and I can really sort out how to build it. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm fanboying over that a lot, to be fair. I'm, I'm over the moon with my KO card. Think of KO as the chaotic equivalent to me and Blue Eyes by Dragon. That's the way you should think about this. And that's not even me exaggerating. That is, yeah, like, I love KO so much. He's great. Chaos amazing. The underworld is absolutely fantastic uh, to the point where I've changed my. Uh, to, I think I've changed everything. Yeah, my lock screen is now Chaos, a picture of Chaos on my phone. And my home screen is a sort of blurred one with code around it. Sort of, obviously, Chaotic was all about scanning codes and stuff. And uh, the underworld symbol right in the middle to the point where I'm now thinking if I were to ever get a tattoo, which is a big if, I don't like needles, I might get the underworld symbol somewhere because it's. It's simple, it's effective, it's cool, and I love the Underworld. It's fucking amazing. So yeah, the Underworld, Underworld Forever, my guys. Underworld Forever. Um, if you're an overworlder, I'll crush you. Fortunately, my friend Billy, the only other person I've ever met who knows what the fuck Chaotic is, he's a fellow Underworlder, and we've got two friends, Fran and Harry. Uh, we're going to... Well, I'm going to have to teach ha uh, Billy as well. He doesn't really remember how to play, because he's still got his cards, but obviously it's been a while. I'm, I've read up on the rules. I've sort of got up to date on how to play it, so... I'm good, but yeah, so I'll get sort of teach them why to play, and me and Billy just keep discussing, like, oh god, what if Fran or Harry want to be an overworld player, what are we going to do then, um, and our answer was destroy them, we will send them back to the overworld packing with our underworld forces, um, not that, you know, we take this too seriously and are overly loyal to the underworld or anything, <laughs> but I probably would get an underworld tattoo, because 
bit of a tangent, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously, I've, people have been saying to me for, oh, you should get a tattoo, you should get... And I'm like, yeah, I would, but I hate needles, so that's my big thing against it. But everyone, and I thought, oh, Blue Eyes White Dragon one. But the problem is, I never found an image of Blue Eyes White Dragon that I liked enough. So like, that out of proportion a little bit. Like, I'm very much a perfectionist, OCD. So that didn't look right. That doesn't... So, but the overworld symbol, you underworld symbol, sorry, you can't get it wrong. So that's not a bad call. But anyway, that's a bit of a tangent. Um... I've already had my rent today, and I have four kids being a bit of wank stains and just ruining a good game. But at least it's coming back. That is the big thing, I think, to focus on. But the interesting thing is, with the return of the card game, will we get a return of the series? Because I'm going to get into a bit of spoiler territory now. The show sort of ended, well, to me, it seems quite abrupt. If it was meant to be the ending, well, that is a very depressing end for a child's TV show. You know, not as much as the original Tom and Jerry run ending with them both sitting on a train track waiting for a train to hit them and commit suicide. However, I don't see how that works. They've both been hit with far worse and survived, so I don't get the point of that. But anyway, I digress. Back to Chaotic. Yeah, the final episode. I don't feel it was meant to be the final episode. I feel like that was just a byproduct of it having to be pulled. Um, because it sort of ended with one of the characters, Tang of Toborn, one of the only overworlders I respect, up there of Nadarin, uh, for overworlders. I'm like, you know what? You're decent guys. He dies, basically, and it ends with the four tribes sort of immortalising him in a monument with his sword in the ice, uh, where he lived in the overworld and where he died, essentially. Um, I was like, that's quite a sombre ending for a child's TV show. And it really makes me wonder, was that supposed to be the end, or... Or was, was there meant to be more and it just got pulled because of the whole lawsuit thing with four kids being a bit of a bell end? And it makes me wonder if the card game comes back, which it seems like it's set to, will they relaunch the TV show or will they just leave it as a card game this time and just hope that the fan base picks up? Or will they go the normal route of having a TV show to draw attention to the kids, get kids buying it and then eventually adults will follow suit as well or those kids will grow up and start buying it? Just sort of, I suppose, what happened with Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, all the kids that bought them as kids and didn't really know what they are doing are now the competitive players. Is that going to be their strategy, or are they hoping there's still enough of a fan base? Because I know there is a significant fan base. Like, I'm now part of the Chaotic subreddit. Because um, when I was reading the rulebook, there are certain things that obviously don't make all too much sense all the time, like certain wordings or certain abilities. So you join the Reddit and you, you find out things, and, you know... So there's a big thing going on about sort of learning the game again, and apparently as well, the really good thing is Brian Gannon did sort of say that when he brings the game back, your old cards won't be invalid. So from the sounds of things, he's not going to completely relaunch and redo the game. He's sort of going to continue where he left off and just keep printing all new sets and stuff, but for the same game. So all your old cards, like my old KO cards and everything, will still be valid. I can still play them. But obviously, he'll keep releasing new cards as well, which also makes me wonder, will he start, because obviously there's going to be loads of the old sets in storehouses and warehouses somewhere. Is he going to re-release those to the public, or is he just going to focus on throwing new stuff out? If you were to ask me, whilst obviously priority should be on getting the new product out, selling some of the old stuff that you still have lying around would still be good for the older fans to, you know, have some nostalgia. Like, I'd love to buy some Dawn of Perrin packs some older tins and stuff, you know, Meridian Invasion. Because I don't think I ever had any Meridian Invasion packs as a kid. I don't I don't think they made it to the UK in time. Because I think by the time the lawsuit was happening, season two and three were airing in the US. 
but never in the UK. So I don't really remember Meridian Invasion being a big thing over here. Like I only found the second and third series years after the show had ended for me, which was season one, which had a massive cliffhanger. So I never got why they ended it there. As a kid, which is obviously where Tom cheats, but he doesn't. You find out in season two, it's actually, they both know what's going on. They both pretend to cheat to do something else, and that's fine. But yes, Meridian Invasion, I don't think I've already made it over to the UK. Not that I can remember. So I'd like that set to be released and get some, you know, Meridian Invasion cards over here in the UK. Maybe they did, and maybe I just didn't see it much, because maybe it was probably... I'm imagining it was around the time the lawsuit was starting, so things were starting to be pulled, so they weren't as regular. Like I remember the collector tin I had as a kid, I could never find the Underworld one. I only had to get the, the stupid Overworld one. That's why I was really glad when I got the Underworld one, and then I opened it on the YouTube video. Um... But I remember I found that in, in I think, was it Hamley's, believe it or not, store in, um yeah, believe it or not, that's Ripley's, fucking hell, Hamley's in, in London, which is the big toy shop in London. Um, like, they were hard to find chaotic cards, I think, um, especially towards the end. And I imagine, I, I can't remember Meridian Invasion being released in the UK. I don't think I've got any, I definitely don't have any Meridian cards. I don't have any brainwash cards, so I think I only sort of got sort of Dawn of Perim, a Silent Sands, Zenith of the Hive, sort of those level starter packs before the Marillions invaded. Um, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I just couldn't find them as a kid, but so it'd be nice if they released some of those older sets for the sake of, you know, I'd like to get some Marillion invasion packs, maybe get some Marillion cards. I'm not going to play a Marillion deck, but it'd be nice to have some of them. Um, and, you know, simple things like that that I think would be really great for bringing the old fan base back and then showing them all the new cards you're printing as well, like new Overworlders, new Underworlders, continuing the lore and getting people into it. And that's, like I mentioned earlier, the lore is that much embedded into the cards as much as it is the show. That whilst the show will be good, yes, to draw draw in kids and new audience, at the same time, you don't need a show with this card game to flesh out the lore. The lore is already in the cards. You can see that as characters evolve. Like, you know, you've got, for example, original Agitos, then you've got Agitos' eloquent motivator, who is shown in his card motivating the sort of underworld forces to attack the Meridians. He's wearing armor. You've got Kaor to Kaor the Fierce. You've got Maxor to Maxor, protector of Perim. You've got, say, uh, Lord Van Blute to Lord Van Blute, servant of Arnie. And that sort of stuff like that that's really, really, I think. People don't appreciate that enough in a card game. Like, Yu-Gi-Oh is great, but there's no lore in the cards. Like, you know, you play a Cosmos deck, you're like, oh, yeah, well, they're based off Wizard of Oz and Star Wars, but there's no lore behind that. There's No one cares. And the lore behind the original cards, you know, that was made by the TV show. Like, oh, Ancient Egypt, Lord's White Dragon, Maseto Kaiba's girlfriend, and Dark Magician was the Pharaoh's best mate, and, blah, blah, you know. And that's great, and I love it, and I love that lore. But that's in the show. You wouldn't have got that with just the cards chaotic you can see the rivalries you can see all that you know that you find out from text underneath the cards that kiru city was built by a creature called kiru who actually turns out to be chaos ancestor um who's obviously now the leader of the underworld so he was the original leader of the overworld and stuff like that just text at the bottom of the cards whereas yugi ones just describe the creatures the or monsters the the chaotic ones give backstories to the creatures and even if it doesn't have text you can see them evolving in the different sets and that is invaluable and combine that with the first online virtual battle system implementing code from the bottom of the cards making sure every single one was unique 
and a very unique actual battle system itself in the way the card game worked, presented itself, a very unique way the cards looked, and the fact that, you know, each tribe actually had a different colour on their card. So rather than every card being standard colour, so, you know, you got, in Yu-Gi-Oh!, even though you've got your different types of monster, all normal non-effect monsters are vanilla, all effect monsters are the darker brown, then you've got the blue for rituals, fusions, purple... In this, it doesn't matter your your coloured tribes. So all the underworld cards are red, all the Mopedian cards are yellow, all the overworld cards are blue, all the Danian cards are brown, all the Meridian cards are black. And then your Mugic is... Mugic's very different. It's sort of like a full art card, really. And then that varies on whether it's a generic Mugic or a tribe-specific Mugic. Battle Gear is just grey. And locations are green, but actually they're horizontal as opposed to sort of vertical portraits all stuff like this made chaotic a very unique game like the whole idea of having a location each turn anyway and changing where you battled and each location was a location from perim the land the creatures came from so you learned more about the law by actually exploring perim from the through the game whether you were at the cordiac plunge pools or you were at the fear valley you were at underworld city at kiru city whether you were at runic grove the eye of the maelstrom so many more, you know, Prexor Chasm, Glacier Plains, the Lava Pools, or Lava Pond, sorry, you know, um, Castle Bodrin, there's so many, Iron Pillar, all these locations are explored through playing the game, and the deck building is so unique, because you don't just build your creatures, you pick the right battle gear for them to implement either uh, one of their elemental attacks, or to boost the, one of their stats, or to lower an enemy's stats, or do more damage, but you also then have to pick your attack deck and your location deck to work well with your creatures as well. It's very strategic, and let's say even the more basic of decks like the Underworld and the Overworld, where there's no real strategy like Invisibility or Hive, it's more beat down, you know, or work on this element. There's still a strategy in building those decks around it. So the Danians, you'd build it around a hive ability. The Pedians, you'd probably build it around the invisibility or the war beasts. In the underworld, I mean, I know, for example, mine's a fire one. So you build it around the fire element and having your big fire attackers at the front. In the overworld, you build it around being a loser. And, you know, that's... It's so clever and honestly i th it could have taken Yu-Gi-Oh's throne maybe not overtaken well i don't know by this point it probably could have overtaken the sales of Yu-Gi-Oh. i mean Yu-Gi-Oh is the best-selling card game of all time could this have done it in well it would be coming up to 10 years of being around now over 10 years of being around probably yeah maybe if not it's still gunning for that throne by this point and the fact that all these years later with nothing it still has a very dedicated fan base and people that still play it says a lot about it, and it says that what Wankstain's four kids are for ruining that for a lot of people. Because for years it just disappeared, and a lot of people didn't know. I remember I was a kid, obviously, I didn't know why it just disappeared overnight. I just had Perrin been destroyed by a black car. I don't know. As an adult, I realised it was the lawsuit. But as a kid, I didn't know, and I'm glad that it's coming back because I, I want to get back. I am getting back into it, and even if it doesn't make a return, I suppose, I can still continue to play it because I am getting back into it now. But regardless, hopefully it does come back and we can keep doing it. But 4Kids made a big mistake by trying to take full control and power because they ruined what could have been another cash cow. I mean, they had Yu-Gi-Oh rights at the time as well. And 
mean, they probably still do with their new licensing thing, but that doesn't change the fact that they fucked up. They could have had Yu-Gi-Oh! and Chaotic, two of the biggest card games, but now, I mean, Chaotic's going to become its own thing. Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't know how much control they even have over that anymore, and it's it serves them right, really, for what they did, and... I'm glad that finally Brian has the resources and ability to bring back this card game, hopefully in its original format. Yeah, the game wasn't perfect, and there's probably some fine-tuning he can do, like you need to get rid of back row hate, for example, and, you know, an elemental hate, and stuff like that, which terms that aren't going to make sense to you if you've never played it, but that's fine. But, for the most part, a very unique game with unique abilities, unique creatures, brilliant art styles. I love the fact, actually, if you look at every card... On the right-hand side, if you turn the card on its side, you can see um, it actually credits the artists who designed that specific card and who drew that specific card, which is unseen, I think, in most card games. I don't, well, I know they don't do it in Yu-Gi-Oh! They don't credit the particular artist who did that artwork. But in Chaotic, they credit the artist who did the particular artwork on the card you are looking at. So that's incredible as well. It's a great game. Great mechanics, great lore, great TV show, which I hope they bring back, but I'm not sure about that. But the card game is set to return, and that is fantastic. And I hope that maybe some of you are now getting interested in thinking, well, I want to play Chaotic, and I'm hoping that uh, the bonus episode and potentially video that comes with it will also maybe get you involved in the game, liking the game, and you see some of the mechanics, and you hear someone who's never heard of it and never played of it, played it before, and their opinions on what it was like to play and what it was like, like to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm really glad it's coming back and I really hope people start to get into it and bring some attention back. I'm looking forward to when I get home at Christmas, getting together with, uh, Billy, Fran and Harry and having a game night where we just, I teach them all to play chaotic and we just literally, we get chaotic and we have a good time. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Obviously chaotic has not failed. I think it's a brilliant game, brilliant TV show, brilliant lore, absolutely fantastic, brilliant on all accounts. Can't fault it at all. Uh, but I will say, four kids, you are wank stains, you have failed. Uh, this backfired on you majorly when you went bust after this. Uh, hopefully you've learnt your lesson. Um, that's what you get for censoring Yu-Gi-Oh as well. You know, it all stacks up on you. You're a bit you're a bit, bit knobbish. Uh, capitalism never works, kids. And again, neither does communism. But thank you so much for listening. Yes, Chaotic hasn't failed. Four kids, you definitely have failed, and you always will fail. No one likes you. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, I'll speak to you next week, guys.